Welcome to This My PA Podcast Mailbag. First, we just got a voicemail from Spencer, so let's uh, let's check that out. Hello, Mr. Simpson and uh, listeners. This is Spencer calling about the uh, Spiraling Shape episode. That was a very informative and long episode. Uh, I learned a lot. Like, I didn't know a Chesterfield was a couch. Um, but the song, I don't have a whole lot to say say about it um, because I'm not so clever, but I kind of feel like, uh, in terms of an interpretation, I kind of feel like the spiraling shape is uh, another word for that would be a vicious cycle. Um, that's That was sort of the, the feeling that I got from it, especially at the beginning of the song. Um, I, I don't really, I can't give you like specific lines to support that because I don't know if they do, which maybe means my interpretation is totally wrong. Um, but that, that was, that was my feeling. Maybe I'll think more on this later. Um, and then the other line, um, uh, oh, the line where Marianne wants to put the sign up at the workshop. Uh, oh, this could lead to excellence or serious injury. I think that's just a really great statement about life that, you know, you, you never really know what, um, what choice you make, how, what it's going to turn out to be. Um, it could be great. It could be terrible. Uh, but, you know, go for it and see what happens. Um, how that relates to a vicious cycle, I also have no idea, but that that's what I feel. All right. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to the next one. Goodbye. Thanks, Spencer, as always. Now, on to the show. He- Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. That's right. They might be giants. And here with me tonight, I have Chris and Molly from the podcast and introducing. And so I guess we're uh, and introducing Chris and Molly. I get to turn it around on you, too. Hey! And- <laughs> And we're going to talk about the song Hypnotist of Ladies. And then I'll play the song right there. You won't remember Guys, what's up? Hey. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Yeah, good. Uh, so I talked to you, the, I guess that was two weeks ago then, right? Talked to you about Woody yes. Guthrie on yes. and introducing. Beautiful yes. boy. That uh, w- was a lot of fun. 
It was a lot of fun. Chris got like a little every we've talked about Woody got through several times since then. And Chris gets misty every single time. He's just like, <laughs> I just love him so much. He's such a good person. <laughs> he's, he really he's, is. The be- he's the best boy of American music. He, <laughs> he just loves writing. <laughs> the good absolute song. boy. He just loves writing good songs about good people and buildings. I'm, sh- I'm getting misty thinking about him right now. He's just so just such like a pure, pure yeah. heart, like wholesome and righteous. Yeah. yeah, I was actually just showing my kids. There's a good, um, if you have, I mean, you guys don't have, you don't have any kids of your own. You have nieces, nephews, stuff like that. Nieces, no, nephews. I, I very am, few young people uh, in, in our orbits at the moment. I, I'm very separated from the youth. Oh, yeah. the youths, uh, <laughs> as Joe Pesci would say. Um, yeah. The Well, there's a really good uh, old cartoon version, like hand-drawn cartoon version of uh, This Land is Your Land with a woody... Uh, with Woody walking around and all these nice animals and stuff. That's pretty cute. Uh, there's also a cool version from uh, Farm Aid in the 80s of Arlo. Ooh. Arlo and Willie Nelson and Neil Young and Mellencamp's in there somewhere. Uh, all oh all mixing it up, doing the song, even with the lost verse that nobody knows, of course. Oh, yeah. And it's just a big old country bear jamboree. I, I saw <laughs> I, I was I was recently because I was looking uh trying to find like the best versions of it on YouTube to to throw in the episode and I found a uh, Springsteen uh doing a very passionate performance of it live uh what year it, it said it was the penultimate show of the um born in America tour oh, or born, in, born, sorry, in the born in the USA, USA. <laughs> So classic. Okay, so young. The Made, the made in America Festival yeah, with Jay Z and Bruce Springsteen. The young, sexy ass Springsteen yeah. tour. It's Look. a it's a pretty good YouTube clip because the camera just like holds like fairly close frame to his head as he like gives this long monologue explaining why the the song's important. Is like, I just think it. All you everybody out there, all the iron workers who might have been losing their job in East LA and in Pittsburgh. <laughs> they might be forgetting or have lost the memory of what made America a wonderful country. <laughs> and this song reminds us all. It's good. It's just good. like yeah. mopping sweat. Yeah. Oh, pouring sweat. Yeah. You, the, you know, the wettest, the wettest man <laughs> in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty wet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wetter than Andrew WK. I don't know. Ooh, Andrew um, WK is pretty wet. I would, we, I would love to do a bracket of wettest musicians. We should. <laughs> <laughs> Meatloaf has got to be up there. Oh yeah, he's the, wet. The Future Islands guy can get <laughs> oh wet. hell yeah, he can get oh. pretty wet. This is he, like the fucking yeah. first conversation in the pilot of Cheers where they're talking about the <laughs> wettest movie of all time. <laughs> oh god. Oh, we're it's dating body ourselves. Heat, by the way, Body Heat's the wettest movie. That's oh, movie. okay. Uh, I was gonna guess The Abyss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> different kind of wet, sweat wet. <laughs> We scared the shit out of me as a kid. I'll tell you. It's like Star Wars, but underwater. No, it isn't, Blockbuster guy. It's, it's, night- <laughs> it's n- nightmare it's, it's fuel. A, yeah, it's about a cosmic terror invading your your uh, ex- exploration vessel to the bottom of the deepest trenches of the Atlantic. Cool. Man, we are already off the rails. We barely... We haven't even, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We haven't, have we even started? I did the intro. Yes, I did the intro. You know you what has, le- <laughs> Speaking of great music, you know what has great music? John Cameron, Harold and Mon movies. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I apologize if we go off the rails. I feel like we're just used to the ones having to like be on the rails on our podcast that we were just getting crazy. So we're just wilding out right now. So this is yeah. So this is going to be a problem because (laughs) I 
I encourage tangents. Um, Ooh, yeah. So, well, I think this far in, they're like, why the hell was I talking to you about Woody Guthrie? Because your podcast and introducing <laughs> yes. a <laughs> podcast about words, about music. Yeah. Um, I did it, right? Right. Yeah, was, you did yeah. It. That's okay. Perfect. That's the tagline. See, I listen to your I listen to your podcast. Unlike we'll ta- we'll you, Chris, job. listening to my podcast. Please don't <laughs> shame me. I spent all all day listening to, to various podcasts. Like everything related to our podcast, I I do the consuming, and Chris does the, the digesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. pretty much what I did with the the Jeff Tweedy episode of yours, where I basically told my wife like all of the big points of it and then but then she went and listened to it anyway so um <laughs> and she's like i can't believe they don't like wilco what the fuck <laughs> chris chris doesn't like wilco i'm, I'm the wilco. i'm the i'm oh, the only okay. wilco skeptic yeah it's, it, and i fully admit that they, these are like there are bands that i know that are good that just aren't my thing and the only thing sure. is that i just like i like my music uh i like i like hard songs Chris likes hard music <laughs> i don't like music that that kind of rolls and jams and and you know kind of well, um, you gotta grooves listen. and well, okay stuff. well you gotta find the right era of uh wilco i suppose then there's so many yeah. different kinds of wilco it's like i was talking about yeah. the, i was talking about the flaming lips with some much guy much younger than me today and he's like why doesn't everybody love wayne coin and i'm like Everybody cool does love Wayne Coin, man. You're just just <laughs> just because you're 26 and you're just now finding out about him. Listen, bud, I've been jamming on him since uh, she don't use jelly. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've been getting walked <laughs> all over him in a giant bubble in the crowd of a festival <laughs> since 1998, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm like people understand the genius of Wayne Coin, man. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So tell tell. People, so we've been bringing up all these random musicians, and your podcast covers a very wide swath of musicians and genres because you guys talk about what on your podcast? <laughs> Our podcast is, is a podcast about words about music, which uh, in practical matters means that every episode, uh, Molly uh, reads a book or a long article or uh, some kind of uh, group of words. Yep. About tweet, tweet thread. We've done a Twitter. We've thread. done a Twitter thread. Yes, a couple times. Uh, <laughs> about a specific musician or novel. a genre of music or a scene, uh, and then we she tells me about it and we talk about it. And each episode is, uh, you know, our bread and butter is musician memoirs. So uh, of which there are so many, so many. Basically, every musician of any note has eventually sought to transform their musical career into uh, at least at least squeeze a little more money out of it in the form of a memoir. So there's tons of fodder <laughs> for this. We've done everyone from, uh, you know, from Louis Armstrong to uh, Duff, McKagan, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses. A lot of the like 80s and 90s like yeah. hair metal people have memoirs. I, I would suggest. Specific- yes. Uh, my favorites, if I may. Yeah. Yes. Um, please. Well, I'm a drummer, among other things, and so Travis Barker's two-parter was the one, because if anybody deserves a two-parter, it's Travis Barker. That's when we're still trying to figure out. That's our second episode, second part one, part two, and we were still trying to figure out like the exact format of how to get it, so I think we we probably went longer than we would have on that. Although, I I regret nothing. I still, I think think that book deserves two parts. We could have talked about that for, that could get its own like serial style uh, mini (laughs) mini series, because that is 
there's a lot going on in that and I would highly recommend <laughs> people can listen to the episode or episodes, excuse me, or they could, I would recommend reading the book because it's really, really something. I Maybe think one day we'll return for a part three and pick up all the scraps. Yeah, really. I think he could have <laughs> talked for an hour about why he was carrying a gun at his own wedding. Jesus yes. Christ. That, what an the idiot. <laughs> These scenes are so they're so dramatic and yet so so dumb. They were he was just paranoid. He had like an interaction in a parking lot with some <laughs> random people that he was like maybe affiliated with or maybe well, not. Hey, don't, he was, don't he was give it away he was too much. Get murdered. Don't give it away okay. too much. Yeah, Make I'm, them listen it, to the podcast. <laughs> right? Well, well here here's the here's the twist is that if you if you if you know who Travis Barker is, the probably the first thing you know about him is that he has been mainly and in fact only a punk drummer professionally since he was like 15 years old yeah so if you're curious as at all as to why a guy who has just been a professional drummer in very successful bands felt he thought he needed to bring a gun to his <laughs> wedding then our show is for you yeah he just in I case like, he I, lost I the drum off scene, honestly just to be, in case he lost yeah. the drum off he'd kill the guy so no one would yes. ever know yeah uh yeah. that uh, rules and there are no rules. I, I must say, so I love the the Louis Armstrong episode because I'm a total nerd, and but really that was just awesome. Uh, we talk about that a lot on the Woody episode uh, that will be out by now uh, for you guys. Yes. And um, oh, and the Marilyn Manson one. Oh my god. Oh my god. Holy that's very, fuck. That's a very dirty app. Yeah, it's like in, in all senses of the term. <laughs> yep. It's like. Because, you know, I mean, I came of age in the, the 90s and that stuff. It was not really my scene. And the kids, you know, I was a, a punk guy. And, you know, you really draw a hard line, even though really there's so much crossover. And there should be so much crossover between, like, what the punks listen to, what the metalheads listen to, you know, what the yeah. hippies listen to. We're trained to hate hippies. But it's like we're all going for, like, progressive shit. Like, all the lyrics are the same. You know, right. it's just one's a little more happy, one's a little more angry. But, you know, you draw that hard line. And so I didn't hang out with the Marilyn Manson fans. And I was like, Psh, fuck that. That guy's a fake. He's not a fake. He is fucked up. And his grandpa is to blame. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It really all starts there. In uh, the, in the the grandpa's basement. basement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Grandpa's I, basement. I mentioned in that ep that I like. I that when I was a kid at Marilyn Manson like scared me. He was like too intense for me to uh, get involved with. Right. Um, and I wouldn't say that I'm a Marilyn Manson fan, but I can say that I have a respect for Marilyn Manson's game uh, now. And also I came away from that episode mostly uh, feeling that beautiful people is an absolute all time. So good. Banger. <laughs> that song slaps so fucking hard. So good. Oh, my wife also the music said is never as scary as the imagery is. Yeah. Like the music is basically just kind of like industrial, uh, industrial, yeah, creepy, industrial but he's, he's just, he yeah. was terrifying. Yeah. You know, like nine, nine inch nails inspired type stuff. But like, yeah. uh, my wife also said when she listened to your, your podcast that she didn't understand any of the slang that she could figure it out, but she didn't understand <laughs> <laughs> she, the slang yes, that we used or the slang we, that we, yeah, that you guys use. We do not oh, no. in, in our house. We do not say the thing slap. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> uh, it slaps. It bangs. I, it's a bop. It's a jam. Yeah. See, jam. bop. Bop yeah. is the one that, to me, coming up as a, you know a young punk and bop being a mm. big hit. Using the word mm. bop to me, the only people allowed to use the word bop are the Ravenettes in their song <laughs> "Bang." It's called "Bang." <laughs> 
Kids want to bop it, out in the streets. Oh, it bangs and bops and shibops and uh, <laughs> ramalama, oh, yeah. ramalama ding dongs. That's going to be my new thing. I mean, does it's it really not ding dong? It, it's really not that we're like any more hip or anything than any, anyone. We just spend look, all our days on Twitter and yeah. just absorb the, the like, internet is internet slang, our, our, yeah, our brains. brain poisoning that everybody else gets on there. So it's like, I don't know. We Twitter believe us. Is, we didn't get the uh, it bangs. It slaps <laughs> from like organic conversation with people. We read it 30 times before it just it infected our yeah. minds. Right. And it was the only way we yeah. could conceive of calling music good. Yeah, it's funny. Like, yeah, you can type it out. You could say it on a podcast. But then if you were just like at the local cafe and there was somebody mm-hmm. there and you're like, you heard a song come on. You're like, oh, this new Carly Rae Jepsen joint. This is this is really a bop. And the guy would look at you and punch you in the face. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that those Depends terms are. part of Brooklyn you're from. Or you're I, sure. In, yeah. around here. I don't know. I feel like those terms are like um, uh, pretty immediately inv- evocative. I would hope so. Yeah. It's a bop. I don't mind slaps and fucks and I don't know. Something about bop. It's a banger. I'm fine with banger. Uh, I don't know. I've been writing reviews for punknews.org since 2002. And I can safely say in like the 400 reviews I've written and all the podcast reviews I've given, I've never said this like bops. And if I do, Lord help me. I don't know. Oh, man. I would. I would. Whatever you're reviewing next, I would just give it a careful ear and be like, could this be a bop? All right. Well, this here's the thing, bop. but I think that it, it's Kids like bop. genre. Uh, it, I do think that these terms are kind of like genre specific because okay. I, w- I would immediately agree that like most punk music are not bops. They're not bops. <laughs> Um, Some, but they're bangers. Sometimes they're bangers. Yeah. Sometimes they're bangers, but I mostly think most I think they mostly slap. Oh, like slap. A, a good punk song. Uh, fucking slaps well, it, 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 it it has like a short sharp aggressive makes like, you want to slap people makes you want to yeah, slap may, people in the face yeah it, it's like a burst of aggressive energy slaps and you. you're like yeah it slaps you 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 are slapped by it actually yeah. slaps. actually you know what slaps primus <laughs> <laughs> but i feel like primus probably has some bops though the seinfeld yeah. theme slaps that the, is true <laughs> that is flea, true but it's not because flea. of the bass flea slaps yeah, Seinfeld is actually time. that's not a bass. Actually, that's a synthesizer. Sadly, that's a keyboard. Yeah. Um, if you haven't ever seen it, I highly recommend. Uh, there's like a TV spot documentary, uh, like like a, a three minute piece somebody did on the keyboard guy for Seinfeld yeah. at like the ho- height of its popularity. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because there are like so two or three like sh- shots of the guy who. <laughs> is composing it looking like straight into the camera as like a Seinfeld scene plays in the background and he's improvising because a lot of them were like improvised to the moment. They're like all different, but he's it's just like him like smiling, staring into the camera, (laughs) playing these slap ass bass parts on keyboard being like, see, it's good, right? It's good. (laughs) I'm good at this. Oh boy! You know, I'll uh, tell you on our uh, the, the, on this podcast on iTunes, one of the things that we get knocked for the most is tangents. So, uh, god damn it, guys! Well, let's focus god. like a laser on this uh, this one song from uh, this. So, is Hypnotist of Ladies? Does, is it a bop? Is it a banger? Jam? jam? It's kind of a groove. Kind of a groove. You know, I was listening to it in my car, and it's got some big sub bass tones to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do we want to transition right to it, or do you want us to talk about uh, they might be? Oh yeah, giants? we should talk. Oh about Oh my god, we haven't feelings. even talked about how you guys. Oh my god, 
We're, we're in trouble. really TMBG. fucking this up for you. We're I'm so sorry trouble. if anyone reviews it's okay. it. We almost tangent directly to the subject of the episode before the preamble. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're jumping all over the place here. Uh, but we talked. I mean, our 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 rambling is is roughly promoting your pod. So uh, I'd say people should go listen to and introducing. Uh, so. It also it gives a nice little bed of our you know our general experience of music, which is is that of Epi- Epicureans, you know, yeah. sure that we have a, a, a fairly broad uh, you know um, just to say, to like move into this next segment is like we we both have a very broad uh, enjoyment of music in general and like yeah. mm-hmm. can find something to like about basically all forms of popular music and that's. I mean, we obviously have our preferences and our yeah. favorites, which is basically that Molly likes Beyonce and I like LCD sound system. And those are <laughs> both our number ones. Yeah. And then everything, oh. basically everything else in the world comes in at a solid number two. Yeah. Okay. So you guys must not <laughs> right? have heard my, right? I think it's physically you, right. you guys clearly forgot my introduction 20 minutes ago. This, this is the song by song podcast about the best, the greatest band of all time. <laughs> and it's, it's not LCD sound system or Beyonce. I'm sorry. They come in at number two. It is. They might be giants. And so You're right. for, today, l- let's, for today, we'll accept that. that. We're playing. We're, we're playing along. Yeah. It's fine. This wait, wait can house. I ask you how, how many of your guests would you say that they might be giants is like their favorite band? I'd, I'd say more than half. You know, the people more than that half? the reason why I have recorded you're you're the 39th episode I'm recording right now. Oh my God. I've released 16 uh, and <laughs> <laughs> and I started like the first. Let's see. The first seven episodes are all people I know in real life. Okay. And those are obviously the ones I recorded first. I let them pick like a crap load of songs on the on the spreadsheet because I was like, I don't know, is this going to turn into anything? Yeah. And then now people are coming to me like, can I do an episode? And I'm nice. like having to I'm like having to vet people now. I'm mm. like is this person insane? If so, let's bring them on. (laughs) (laughs) And well, like I'm trying to find, I'm trying to get a wide range of people, um, demographics. I mean, they might be giants fan base skews very, very white, but I am, Uh I, I am, I'm trying my best there. Um, I've, I've, I've hit three out of the seven continents already. I, in fact, I did an episode, I did an exclusive episode with three Australians and booking that, was, was very tough. difficult, yes. Because oh they were on one was in Perth, thirteen hours ahead, and two were in Sydney, sixteen hours ahead. So basically, I was podcasting into the future, yeah. which is quite Amazing. something. And yeah, I'm I'm calling Poland tomorrow. Oh my god! Um, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. was going to be today. Got postponed till tomorrow. Yeah, we we did a um, we did a Canadian recently. That's as far out of the country as we've done. Yeah, yeah. But they came yeah. to us physically. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. You guys got some pull. Yeah. I, I've it's had, no pull. It's no Poland. Yeah. No, it, it, it's no Poland. I've done a Canadian. I've, I've had a Canadian. I've had, I've got a Brit. I'm doing, actually I'm doing an, a Patreon exclusive. That's uh, with three artists, three visual artists. Uh, two are in England and one is in Norway and we're scheduling that right now. And, cool. um, one thing that is awesome is I was discovering through miscellaneous T is this big fan of Facebook group and through Twitter that um, finding fans of they might be giants on Twitter, especially I was seeing a lot of 
uh, Twitter bios with rainbow flags and rainbows and stuff about pronouns and all this. And I'm like, well, they are very well embraced by the LGBTQ community. I'm uh-huh. actually doing, I'm also scheduling an exclusive right now with four uh, lovely folks who identify as trans. And they are going to tell me about w- how they might be giants, uh, what the band means to them and their identities. And it is going to be pretty amazing. Hell yeah. That's awesome. That sounds great. I'm very excited to talk to those people more. It's going to be cool. Um, <clears throat> I'm also very excited to, I know, you, so you guys are into some punk. I'm talking to Mike Park of Asian Man Records on Friday. Ah. Yes, I remember those logos very well from my days yes. at the Warped Tour. I grew up on those albums, Alkaline Trio. Honor System, Slapstick, all of that stuff. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited about that. And uh, yeah, it's been amazing. So <clears throat> how did you two get into the band or are you into the band or wh- why are they uh, your favorite band over LCD Sound System and Beyonce? <laughs> how did we decide just <laughs> who, now? Yeah, who wants to go first? 45 seconds. Yeah. Um, Chris, do you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, th- this first. is a band that I've known of for a long time. I mean, I, I as I mentioned to you before I probably first was made aware of them and I think that several people that you've interviewed have said this by their appearance in uh, the animated TV show The Tiny Toon Adventures (laughs) which did a whole episode that was basically animated vignettes set to some of their um, now most famous songs Particle Man Constantinople uh, Istanbul or no those are the same songs and The Sun right (laughs) I think that there's one to The Sun I um, just talked about this an hour ago with uh, uh, on the previous episode that I recorded. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that, people people bring it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is it, uh, apparently just like a little like culture bomb that uh, you know Warner Brothers Animation uh, via Steven Spielberg set off uh, to introduce this band to a like wide swath of apparently just aesthetically the right impressionable yeah. children for this thing. And so, so they kind of always stood with me and, you know, I knew, uh, as I got older and got into indie music that they were a thing. And, you know, I, I think I had like a, uh, you know, a burned copy of flood and stuff. Um, and, I, you know, I knew that they always kind of had the, that they had a reputation of a band that like basically j- just constantly puts out music and all their songs are um, you know I'm gonna try to put this uh, like delicately because I know that the tenor of this <laughs> is like you know I I might say that they're like one of those bands that puts out a million songs and all their songs are like pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but how you, dare but, you, you know I, and I'm I, shutting the lid. I mean of this that as like right a, a very <laughs> high compliment. I think that's a com- I think you're trying to mean it. As a compliment. No, I mean that as a very high compliment. I'm talking about bands like I would put the moments in the category of bands like the Jam or like uh, you know maybe like the first. 10 15 years of bell and sebastian or something where there's just like a whole bunch of songs and all the songs are very stylistically or at least aesthetically similar because i know they might be giants go all over the place in style but every song you hear you're pretty you can pretty much immediately be like oh yeah that's a they might be giant song right um and and so you're kind of like there are a few standouts that were mostly all collected into that one tiny tunes episode but (laughs) otherwise there's just like oh here's like uh here you know when you're approaching this band, there's like, okay, here's this wall of songs and like basically any of them (laughs) you hear are like, yeah, this sounds like the other songs and it's pretty good. 
Uh, so that's kind of my daunting. relationship with them. I never yeah. got like deeply into them. I, you know, it just in terms of like you know fellow traveler India indie fans. I, I think that the thing that people you know some people might say is that they sound like a novelty band or something. Uh, I never thought that, but uh, you know, correct. Uh, that I is correct of were, you to uh, think that. that they you know were one of those bands with a million good songs. Yeah, the the catalog is the the catalog is daunting. Do you have a rebuttal to Chris's uh, interpretation of uh, they might be giants? Uh, well, I, I can say he is correct in saying that in knowing that they are not a novelty band because uh, I just uh, pretty much every they might be giants fan, uh, anyone who's a big fan, if we see a review of theirs and it calls them quirky, we're just like yes, fuck you, <laughs> like what. That's just like we don't you don't understand. Sorry, one second. Yeah. What? Uh oh, something's this happening past the, the computer. <laughs> this is the most um, absolute classic New York situation where there's like a roach crawling across our uh, living room right now that Chris is going to go murder. <laughs> this. So this why don't you so, tell me more about your basements? This is uh, my basements. Yeah. This, this is staying. <laughs> this is staying in the episode because it's just so. I mean, they might be giants are. are are directly direct out of Brooklyn. Uh, so they they know this stuff. They've seen this before. Yeah, whenever oh, they play Conan, whenever they play Conan, the Conan always introduces them as like f- straight off the subway or whatever, like you know that kind of thing. Uh, Will you open this beer for me? Straight off, straight off the Q train. It's a. Uh, it's yeah. they might be giants. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah pl- please keep this in your episode because you know we're we're just um we're just living a real gritty gritty lifestyle every day. <laughs> where where did you say? Where did you grow up, Molly? I grew up in Vermont, <laughs> so no no roaches. But uh, there's there's. There's roaches in the USB chaos. Port. Uh, yeah, Goddamn I mean, chaos just, in Brooklyn. The city is the city fucking sucks, man. Just like the roaches. <laughs> and I just like open my I open my freezer to get some ice while I was in there. And like I saw the three like tins of uh, grease from the roast that I made over the uh, uh, the weekend because you can't throw it out anywhere normal here because garbage only goes out once a week and you can't put it like in the drains because it creates fatbergs in the sewer. I think garbage goes out. We, I think go, garbage going out weekly is like a normal thing. Yeah, but yeah. there's no place to store it. You can't like put <laughs> yes. it outside or yes. anything. There's just like, yeah. it's a, it's a hellscape we're living in is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and the internet, the internet <laughs> shit here. This is our own, this is our own why we're leaving New York yeah. essay that's playing out yeah. live on. Are you? Live on this way. No, no, <laughs> no oh, not okay. yet anyway. It's, we'll see yeah. how big the roaches get. It's bullshit. We hate it. We'll be here forever. You know, I'm I'm a Chicago guy. I grew up in the Burbs. I mean, I'll be here. You know, we'll we'll be here for the pretty much indefinite future since my wife's getting tenure here mm. in Lafayette. Uh, yeah. First of all, congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Her her books. Uh, it's already up for pre order on Amazon. Uh, it's, What's the book it, about? <laughs> Sorry, well, no, that's well, not what we're talking about today. No, but, that's fine. You know, I love a good book. Oh my god. Okay, so. I mean, it's an academic text and it is about, okay. So, well, you know, I should just read what's the pitch on Amazon. Let's see (laughs) if I search amazon.com and her name, she's the only person in the whole country with the, in the name car Canale. Um, that's some good SEO right there. Yeah. It's called forgotten futures, colonial, uh, colonized pasts, transnational collaboration in 19th century, greater Mexico. Cool. 
Yes, by Cara and Canale. Paperback, $31 for the paperback. She needs to talk for a publisher about that. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> well, it's an academic Spicy. text. They make those. Yeah. Really, I think she's like, I'm not going to make money off this. I'm like, well, if some professor picks up your book as their, you know, every kid in their class has to get that book. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Forgotten Futures Colonized Past traces the existence of a now largely forgotten history of inter-American alliance making, transnational community formation, and intercultural collaboration between Mexico and Anglo-American elites. This uh, communion of elites was often based upon Mexican elites' own acceptance and reestablishment of problematic socioeconomic, cultural, and ethno-racial hierarchies that place them above other groups. The poor, working class, indigenous, or Afro-Mexicans, for example within their own larger community of Greater Mexico. Basically, each chapter um, is about a text. Lots of them are travel journals, like people that have traveled from... And it's all, and it's all in, in, from the 19th century. Um, and people... Like, basically, James K. Polk's era, when the whole Southwest was up, was basically mm-hmm. we were stealing half of Mexico, that kind yeah. of era, and, like, how that affected identities. People, like, all of a sudden were in America, and, like, their the color of their skin, basically, what shade are you? Can you pass for white? Uh, mm-hmm. How that affects your, um, basically, your entire life, but, like, your 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 status... Uh, and how largely that depended on what shade your skin was, because uh, racism mm-hmm. permeate, permeates history. America, and very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 not a light read, but it is obviously it's by my wife, so it's uh, it's it's very it's it's very good, obviously. And it's, it's your it's favorite getting, book. It's your it's favorite getting, book. It's my favorite book, and she should start a podcast, but she's too busy doing like professor type things. So. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like creating. Well, I've been listening to uh, Mike, stuff, so. Mike Duncan's Revolution series on the Mexican Revolution, which uh, starts. You know, I mean, the background to it starts in like the 1890s, so not too much later than that. So, you know, I can I can say that I am interested in uh, Mexican history currently. Yes. Um, but you know, yeah, just lo- mm-hmm. just love to plug that pod wherever. It's pretty uh, crazy to think about that time in history. Just like, I mean, really, I think looking back on a lot. I mean, there's been a lot of crazy shit in history where. You know, you see a documentary, or you read a book about it, and you're like, I can't believe that happened. But really, yeah. it's only like 150 years ago when we were just like, still just like murdering people or forcing people off their land. Like, that, the 1800s, it was just insane. Like, uh, up until like, Lincoln, like every president pretty much sucked and was racist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, it was like degrees of racism. Like, were they really racist or just casually racist? (laughs) Right, right. The baseline was not not good. I mean, I there are many venues to do this, but I I I, (laughs) I feel like if we start trying to litigate the uh, you know entrenched racial uh, you know history of American expansion. Uh, right now we're we're just gonna be going down a, a, a wormhole that you cannot pull out of. We will be here all night. I think we need to hear a about wormhole. Exactly. Uh, so th- that's a good segue, Molly. How yes. how what do you know about the band and how old and what did you let's 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 get back to the goddamn <laughs> top, yeah podcast. Yes. Um. Uh. I mean, listen. I have heard of. They might be giants <laughs> since I was young. Okay. Younger, I thought you were going to say Since like, I was aware of like independent music. But I 
have not actively listened to They Might Be Giants until <laughs> I chose this song for us. And I say actively because I think They Might Be Giants has probably infiltrated slash osmosed its way into a lot of my cultural uh, uh, samplings uh, as yeah. I've gone through life, as it seems they have. Because, uh, okay, so I, I was never like a big fan, but... I appreciate a band that has such a long, I was about to say lustrous, illustrious, but also sort of lustrous career. Yes. Viscous, it oozing. Some kind of lumens. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have nothing but respect for They Might Be Giants, and I did some basic reading up because as a co-host of and Introducing, I got to have some kind of narrative, man. I got to have some kind of... Yeah. I gotta have some kind of context, text and context, and um, reading and their sub subtext even, and subtext. We could, yeah, subtext is a you is know a that's a huge part of uh, introducing, especially when you're uh, reading a uh, first time author's memoir <laughs> of their own life in a uh, when they've never read a book, somewhat contested history of a uh, contentious band. Uh, there's often a lot of subtext. Yeah oozing sure. with subtext yeah anyway uh, in reading about the history of uh, a very um, probably a cursory sketch of a history of they might be giants i was super impressed they've you know embraced technology and i've been kind of at the forefront of that and they've embraced like their own communities but, uh, yeah i i have not uh, appreciated the sonic delicacies of they might be giants until this point but now that i have i i'm a fan I'm a, I'm a, in the, in the most light, in the lightest of senses, I, I got nothing but respect for, for the two, the two good boys of They Might Be Giants. So yes. that's where I'm at. The Johns, the Dans, and the Marty. Molly, I think as, um, the, the, the one who likes to, it seems to d devour knowledge while, while Chris prefers to be illiterate. Um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying one of, one of the highest compliments I've gotten from people about my podcast is that it's it's turned quite a few people from casual fans into big fans. Uh, uh -huh. So I think if you listen, well, the Doctor Worm episode features my wife, so you know it's good. Um, my wife, my wife, uh, my wife. I'm, so, I'm so glad the Mindy Project brought that back around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, I, I your my worm did not get enough uh, laughs. <laughs> That's very funny, Molly. Thank you. Thank you. My worm. My, my wife. Uh, my worm. So yeah. my, my doctor, my doctor wife. My doctor worm. She plays the bass. Um, so <laughs> Hell yeah. she does. And the French horn. We met in band. So let's talk about the friggin' song, I guess, then, right? So, so you told me you'd listen to, you just listened to Fingertips. Have uh, This is my favorite They Might Be Giants album because it's the one when I, I got into them. Uh, Apollo 18? Yes, Apollo 18. Cool. Have you listened to the full album or just uh, jumped around a little bit or... We actually we did some dabbling. We we got we got through a good chunk of it while we were just like hanging out, waiting to come on this show. And yeah, I mean, I'll also say that I like um, I know like uh you know some of the other classic uh, TMBG bangers like Birdhouse and and I Palindrome I like those are uh, uh, songs I'm familiar with, but. Um, no, we were, I mean, we were just listening through this and it's, it's good. It's, it's, it, again, it seems to me to be a lot like what I understand they might be giants to be, which is like having an overall aesthetic consistency, but each song, like, you know, experimenting with genre and, and what they're playing with while, 
all the time being like cool, if a little silly, like up tempo rockers. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And such a good sense of humor. Yeah. The, what what you had referenced before of whatever group or on Facebook or, or whatever it was, those miscellaneous tea that mm-hmm. was, that refers to an album title or some other thing where they're talking about how they're organizing the record store, right? Where they're under miscellaneous tea. Yes. And yeah, it's the name of their shit. first like B side compilation. Basically. I, I live for this shit. I, I love when people don't take themselves to, they take so, some things seriously <laughs> and other things like kind of not seriously at well, all. Well, I think That's they, good branding, man. I think they clearly yeah. take the music seriously, but they don't take oh, themselves yeah. seriously because you can yeah. clearly tell that there is a, a deep musicianship in them and, and a care for their craft of what they're doing if like each individual song or the subject matter isn't like too uh taken serious and honestly listening through those all those fingertips is like really underscores that because each of those little ditties is is like very lush in its own way mm-hmm. even if like the total effect you know the total like subject or thing that it's doing is like super stupid you know <laughs> yeah and and really so yeah, and, and for for you too, a couple of casual uh, fans, noobs. Uh, noobs. I would, uh, yeah. They they might be giants. Have always been. Uh, they've tried to har- harness technology, uh, like new technologies. And in 1992, okay, so everyone had CD players by that point. Anyone who's yes. into music, and most CD players then were a little fancier than what you'll see now. Like now, it's hard to even find a CD player. Uh, True. Let, let alone that has ones with different features. Molly and gave me the, a CD for my birthday uh, two years ago, and it took me um, 18 months to listen to it because it took me that long to track down a way to put <laughs> music from a CD into a computer. Oh, my goodness. I buy refurbished Macs just so I can have the disc. Because uh, <laughs> I'm a CD that's man. I built myself a seven-foot-tall CD shelf for my 2000 CDs. And my excuse, one of my main excuses is that car is a uh, vehicle. The only method of listening to stuff is CDs. So then I have an excuse <laughs> to continue about physical media, CDs, the best uh, sounding media that has yet to exist. Um, and, and, uh, oh yeah. So, so they were basically playing with, with two things. One was uh, the like, Time Life CD collection. And it would like go through mm-hmm. the, the titles of the songs, would scroll up the screen and it would play. Uh, the chorus of each song, mm-hmm. and and here we have ah, the classic, yeah. And here we have the I classic. Uh, here we have the classic. Come on and wreck my car, and then like, <laughs> yeah, and other classics like please pass the milk, please. Uh, you'll get all the hits and more. Um, but also the CD players would have a random function where you could basically shuffle up your the order of your CD. If you do not want to listen to it in the normal track order, you could hit shuffle and it would mix it up. So basically they want, they were wanting to put like as many tracks on the CD as possible. So if you hit that button on your brand new five disc CD changer on your Toshiba, yeah, on your component stereo, (laughs) I still have one. It's Sony. And, um, that it would be a different listening experience. Uh, It could be, you know, so many more. Uh, combinations of of tracks when you have that many songs, and it would just make it uh, make a wild ride through Apollo eighteen. Uh, See, I love s- that they they were predicting yeah. the whole like kind of streaming experience of mm-hmm. like g d d un non linear music listening. They also um, had the most downloaded album of nineteen ninety nine. 
because it was one of the one of the only downloadable they did albums do you remember e-music i sure do i definitely got gift certificates there yes they were partnered with e-music and put out the album long tall weekend in 1999 which was the most downloaded album of that year and because they were the first people like actually pushing to be in that digital space where at a time when it literally everybody else was like trying to resist they thought it was a fan or they thought it was a fan they're like this is like um novelty and this will go away and that's totally and you know that 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 like folds into how i think to a casual observer they might come off as like a novelty band or something because they do stuff like push into places at it where at a time you might consider a novelty like the internet (laughs) with you know they're like again they're like you know album that has sec- 17 t- 10 second songs on it like that sound it all sounds mm-hmm. yeah. like novelty but they're clearly thinking at it about it at like a very high mm-hmm. level and when you like actually consume it the way that they are they are approaching it it's like it's not it's 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 serious and fun and interesting a seamless they marriage also, of form and content yeah they also basically invented uh pandora uh their website <laughs> their website circa like 2003 they had a separate website called tmbg clock radio where you would go to the site <laughs> and it would randomly stream they might be giant songs that's constantly incredible yeah. i love that that's genius. also that's- didn't didn't they podcast when podcasts were like you know yes. new yes see i uh, like i just love this maybe that's very early. Can I can I hit you with a podcast fact that I learned recently sure. that I really enjoyed? Sure. One of the earliest proponents of podcasting was uh, MTV VJ Adam Curry. Huh. Uh, he <laughs> what he, year he, are we talking? He was a VJ in the '90s, and in the early 2000s, he got into like uh, I don't really want to call techno futurism because that sounds more like an '80s term, but right. kind of like that that like boing boing ish like. <laughs> unlimited possibilities of the the internet type stuff yeah. but he mm-hmm. one as part of one of the things that he pushed forward with another guy was this idea of like internet broadcasting of like radio yeah and he was one of the first guys to serve up audio files over an rss feed which is basically what podcasts oh. are but wow. a funny my the funny or like the more inspiring thing about that to me is that before he was an MTV VJ, he got his broadcasting career start at a pirate radio station in uh, in the Netherlands when he was like a teenager nice. living in Amsterdam. And that was like <laughs> his first broadcasting experience. So I like to think that thanks to MTV VJ Adam Curry, uh, podcasting has like just a tiny little bit of that uh, pirate radio energy in it. You know, it does because because anyone can start one. It's great. It's mm-hmm. like the punk rock radio. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, one thing that's funny, just to, to wrap up this little segment, is that <laughs> They Might Be Giants are now subverting what they've done before, and so they released three albums in 2018. I'm not sure if you knew that. Uh, they released the song every Wednesday. So they released an album in January uh, that had, you know, whatever, like 16 songs on it, or, you know, like a normal length album for them. And yeah, for them. then in December, they released... A modest 16 songs. Right. In December, not only did they release the John Henry demos, I'm not even counting that one, they released My Murdered Remains, which was a two-disc album collecting the rest of the songs that they released that year, every Wednesday, uh, a two-disc. And then, in in addition to that, The Escape Team, which was a 10-song album that was a collaboration with a uh, comic book artist where they essentially helped create these characters through songs. So they released three albums, plus the John Henry demos in... um, uh, 2018 
and three of them were were released in December. Mm -hmm. Uh, The John Henry Demos, My Murdered Remains, and The Escape Team all were in the Billboard Top 20 because they did not put them on streaming services. (gasps) And us fans had to buy them. Had to buy them. Damn it. How do you feel about that? I think it's just fucking genius. I was going to buy them anyway. <laughs> well, that's, a th- that's a thing that's so crazy. We, I mean, we've been doing this, this, this pod trying to like analyze, uh, analyze pop music as storytelling and like people's histories throughout the, in- basically the history of recorded, recorded music, music yeah. at this yeah. point is the breadth of our show. And it's hard kind of trying to ping pong your head back and forth around what charts mean because the way that people measure how music has been sold and like what it means to chart over the history of mm. recorded music means so fucking so much fucking different things in like the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. where you like have to literally go buy a physical object to like hear music to now uh and and, and that's like you know it affects the ability of like some random bands to like get on like to go back to my favorite, you know, LCD Sound System, I believe and their last album, American Dream, entered the charts at number one or something like that. I think they hit mm-hmm. number one on the billboard. That yeah. would not have been possible at literally any other time in LCD Sound System's career. But now they have a loyal fan base and like a lot of the other competitions on streaming only, mm-hmm. y- you know, it those are the kind of things that that make the difference now. And that kind of active gaming of what it means to like quote hit the charts uh, yeah. is extremely clever and it's, just goes yeah. to, goes to show like, how savvy they are all the time. I don't know if you remember that the Jack White album that came out a few years ago was the best selling vinyl record since like Pearl Jam's Vitology because <laughs> it had all these crazy. I bought it. It had all these crazy things. I reviewed the album, including the the little tricks that the vinyl had, where like one side played uh, normally with the needle from the outside to the inside. The other one was the reverse. You put the needle near the label and it plays to the um, outside. It, it, it played goofy style in uh, skateboarder parlance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, and then it had a locked groove on the outside and will play endlessly a loop of crows cawing until you physically go and take the needle off the record. Very How, good. Um, Very I love good. a locked groove. It also has songs underneath the labels, which I have not been what? successfully able to play. Yes, you're supposed to be able to play uh, songs through through the label. Uh, and one of them, oh yeah, and one of the sides is in 33, one side is 45. Uh, <laughs> oh under the labels is 78. And I actually have an old 50s record player that can play 78s. But I just can't get the arm to go that far in. It just keeps popping back the arm is like um this is not (laughs) what i'm supposed to do there's also pressuring me there's also a hologram in the record okay wow you guys didn't hear about this so so this thing this thing is a real (laughs) musical object yeah for uh, for real like you really get your money's worth out of this thing because there's like a a lot of music (laughs) encoded in this device yeah, the the hologram. You if you shine a light, uh, you got to find the right angle. If you shine a light at mm. the, you know, between the grooves of the songs and the label, there's always that smooth vinyl, right? That little buffer, mm-hmm. uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And on there, something the, that the way that's etched into there. If you shine a light uh, at like a like a forty five degree angle at it, and you kind of crouch down near near your turntable. 
there's a little angel that spins. A little <gasps> angel that spins. Uh, one that spins on one side, right side up, and one that's spinning upside down on the other side of the record. Can, can I give you a, a, maybe a little cynical, but also a little not cynical analysis of like what that kind of musical object represents? A cash grab? <laughs> it's, a, it's, an, it's an IRL. It's, it's experiential. Yeah. And in this like kind of social media time, it, it's really hard to portray fandom other than like using that, you know, putting up an Instagram story and being like, I'm listening to this on Spotify right now, or like a screenshot of whatever you're listening right. to on your phone. Right. But like creating like a more tactile IRL meet space experiential situation is another way to like warp and shape your fandom. It's mm-hmm. no different than like having an Instagram wall at a bar. I know you don't live in Brooklyn, but this is the kind of hell we live in now. It's, oh it's roaches, God. it's bad internet. And it's like, oh, everyone take your picture here in front of this, like this neon sign so you know that this is where you've been. Yeah, Creating yeah. that record is a new... On one hand, it's like, it's cool. It's a new way of experiencing music. And then maybe the more cynical take is like, yes, but it's also... Crea- it's a marketing experience yeah. as much yeah. as it is yeah. music. I mean, I mean I, I'm inter- interested in, in like finding ways to fuck, between, fuck with medium and experience. Like one of the things yeah. that I've been wanting to do for the other podcast I produced, uh, Chapo Trap House, is uh, create a physical podcast. Like I have an old Tascam uh, cassette tape recorder nice. Nice. and I want to record. I want to record a podcast like I do typically edit it digitally, like uh, create it all the way that I do normally and then use my computer to run it to a cassette tape yeah. and destroy all the digital copies to it. So the only thing that remains of the podcast <laughs> is a physical copy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then a golden yeah. record and then auction that off to like a really hardcore fan of the show. Martin. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yes. that. <laughs> that wants to hear the only like physical copy of, of like this last podcast episode. Yeah. yeah. I've been dreaming about doing that for a while. Maybe uh, so, sometime I'll do that. Maybe sometime before the 2020 election, we'll do some kind of fundraiser and I'll make that thing. Yeah, you know, Punk News uh, has put out two mixtapes. Uh, one of our, our big editors, uh, John Gentilly, has put together these things, which include like, I mean, it's almost like hip hop in a way. It's it's mostly punk music, of course, but um, there are like guest spots where he, you know he's gotten people to say things in between the songs, etc. Um, all of us staffers usually chip in a little thing, um, but yeah, he doesn't put them up digitally. He only makes them. He only makes cassettes, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and sells them basically to fund the next mixtape or whatever, or a T-shirt we might make. Um, but yeah, th- there's something cool about that. Now, I, my bands will never release something on cassette because I did it in the '90s. I recorded to four tracks <laughs> and, and eight tracks because I was at that age where it was like cd burners were starting to become a thing but they were an external thing you had to buy they were expensive um your computer did not come with one so Mm -hmm. i put out cassettes back when you had to put out cassettes i'm not going to go backwards to that because just i mean you did the work uh, I did been there i've done it already and you've earned earned your 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 digital Status. I would love to go on vinyl, but it just doesn't make sense for anyone that's pressing less than a thousand records. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. I would love to. Doesn't make sense. Um, the price point is just—it's crazy. Um, someday, someday, when we <laughs> open for they might be giants, and then we get some foothold, and then <laughs> manifest that shit. Yeah, manifest. You'll make hey, a record. We, we covered Doctor Worm on our—I mean, our last record. I we spent. I, re- I recorded it all here at my studio, but we spent close to a thousand dollars on licensing songs because it was a covers album and um Ooh, we covered dr worm and we pay them my giants for it because we didn't write the song 
Um, and what is this episode about? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about uh, the ephemeral experience of digital music versus the no. Uh, we're basically uh, like smashing. Ladies. We're smashing like the tangents that happen on both of our individual podcasts into one giant tangent of a podcast. One big um, tangent. Well, wait, uh, not to go back at too much, but like <laughs> as, I, as I was listening to the Woody Guthrie thing, there's yeah. not considering how many songs that guy wrote in his life and how much because uh, how much he sang and put out. There's shockingly little actually recorded of yeah. him, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's true. It's yeah. like t- speaking of the your guests and ours and this thing that we're talking about now and just like bridging all of this, it's like, you know, the last like 60 or 70 years of how music has been consumed is, has been a absolute revolution from yeah. almost nothing of the vast quantity of music being played, written and performed, uh, almost nothing being recorded to it being shocking. That music isn't being recorded if you're mm-hmm. doing it. And like, you know, the idea of like, maybe we'll release this weird podcast idea we have on vinyl or something. <laughs> right. It, there is a through line there between, between, you know, uh, from Woody to they might be, yeah. And I and I will say another another third line would be uh, to get yeah to get back to they might be giants and then quick tangent over to to hypnotist. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't, I would check out. Um, they've released a couple of these things randomly, but on the on the, the album uh, Factory Showroom, there's a song called "I Can Hear You," which Franz Nikolai is going to do another episode uh, about that song. Was recorded without electricity at the Edison Laboratory on a wax cylinder. Ooh. Wow. Yes. Uh, book recommendation, Perfecting Sound Forever on the History of Recording Music. Mm. Mm. Sounds like something I'd be interested in. Yes. You you would love it. It's great. Cool. Cool. Okay. So Hypnotist of Ladies is the song yes. right before Fingertips. Right which, before. Yeah. So it's the last like long song, though there it, it bookends Fingertips because then you got Spacesuit the instrumental yes. uh, thing that I often use as like underneath my talking kind of music at the ends of episodes. Uh, so good. it bookends uh, it's, it's right at the front of fingertips. So um, you could kind of say that it's the closing track in a way before, right. if you're kind of like fingertips as its own thing. So what do we think of hypnotists of ladies? I say we jump right into the lyrics because there is a big debate on the interpretations tab of the fan wiki. <laughs> I found um, that. I read that. Yes. So yes. is this song as sinister as some of these people think? The the narrator of the or the person they're talking about. He's a hypnotist of ladies. What do we think? He's, he's a hypnotist of ladies. And then uh, it, you don't you don't remember why you didn't like him. Was that the the sort of closer kicker? Is uh, that how it goes? It's you won't it's, remember you why won't you don't remember like him? why you liked him. Why you liked him? Okay. Yeah, there's yeah. not very many lyrics in this song. He's a hypnotist. Yes. Hypnotist of ladies. You're getting sleepy. Very sleepy. Uh, never had no a pocket watch. Pocket watch. Yeah. yeah. Never counted yes. backwards. And then you won't remember why you liked him. So the debate, the debate in the wiki is basically, is this explicitly about, you know, content warning, sexual assault? Is this about like someone like roofing a girl and assaulting her? Right. Yeah. Versus someone, other people on the fan wiki saying, uh, no, it's kind of more just in general about, uh, male, female relations and, uh, uh, white white knightism or whatever mm. um I, I, uh, 
the answer, the short answer is, I don't know. It certainly evokes a, a feeling and I don't think it necessarily has to be explicitly about sexual assault, but it definitely, at least as a lady, it reminded me of that certain kind of like icky feeling that you get about guys when you don't know whether they're negging you or not. That's like, uh-huh. that's the, that's the kind of like takeaway I had was like when, a, when, when, uh, you know, this is a dumb heteronormative gossip. It, when you're in like a, when you're a straight woman talking to a straight guy and you can't tell what he's try like he, if he's trying to pull some sort of trick on you or, right. or trying what are to, his intentions, are his intentions pure? Are his intentions pure? Or like, is he interested or he's, is he trying to insult me? Um, that that's kind of more the vibe I got based yeah. on the, the sort of structure and the sound. It, it I don't think it's quite as sinister as some on the fan wiki would yeah yeah so what so did you pick this song um did you know this song before you picked it or are you just kind of like scanning through to find one that you that you was interesting i picked this on song title alone i was like i hadn't heard it before i looked through your wonderfully organized doc and i was like hypnotist of ladies that sounds fun yeah Ooh. And so that does sounds fun. And then you hit that interpretations tab and you're like, Oh, and like, Oh, fuck. people think it's not fun. Yeah. The very yeah. first interpretation. I think this song is about date rape. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. And the guy says, what's weird is that some of these are anonymous and some of them, it's just some weird, you know, handle never had. A, so this guy who doesn't even leave a name, never had a pocket watch, never counted backwards says to me that this is not being hypnotized in a traditional way. Mm-hmm. And not remembering says to me that the lady had something done to them to mm-hmm. alter their minds. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of enjoy the song. It's catchy and fun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know as, as long as you don't interpret it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then there's people arguing like Flans went too far with this. No, Flans is, 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 is right to point out these people. And then other people that are like, whoa, guys, chillax. So it's, it's a rather interesting interpretations uh, tab. And some of these in the wiki really get crazy and a lot of jokes and a lot of different crazy out there interpretations. But this one, it's pretty much people coming at it from from two different ways. Like, oh, this is seriously about this is a song about men who take advantage of women. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then other people that are like, oh, it's just about like a ladies man, you know, like, you know, I mean, it made me I think at the time, like, even though this wasn't really a thing yet. But you remember that show? um, Oh, it was a horrible show. It was a guy that was like basically to teach like losers how to pick up the pickup pick artist. Yeah, pickup yeah. yeah. artist. Yes, yeah. The Early two thousands. Mystery. That guy's that guy? Mystery. Mystery. <laughs> the original pickup pickup artist. But yeah, oh, but yeah. the guy who wrote the game, which was the like the the bible of pickup artistry, is the same guy who co-wrote Marilyn Manson's. Yeah, he's uh, a big uh, he's a big uh, rock music ghostwriter. Yeah, he he did a few go- rock book ghostwriters. Yeah, the game book. All right, I, w- I want to take a slightly different uh, uh, tack on this. Yeah, what do you think? Um, because the one, honestly, one of the first things that came to mind when I was listening to this song, because also this was one that you know Molly picked it based on name, and I wasn't really super familiar with it. But one of the um, the first things that came to mind for me, and again, I'm building this from the ground up, uh, kind of decontextualize. Uh, you know, uh, as you said, there are like what f- six lines of lyrics. They're certainly evocative of something. I'm going to try to take this whole thing as 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 what it evoked in me. Um, that shuffling kind of reverby 
guitar line that came in one of the first things that it reminded me of is in a weird way like how soon is as soon is now like that yeah so it's a tremolo there's a tremolo effect on the guitar. yeah there's like a tremolo reverby effect it's very surfy yeah it's like a kind of surfy um thing and 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 honestly with that like evoked of me just taking this as like a one shot um it it made me like uh, uh kind of think of like a uh, uh 80s throwback like the smiths type thing mm-hmm. and so okay yeah i mean i i kind of interpret it as like uh re- a just in general like relationships between people are uh, hard and sad mm-hmm. <laughs> this song and it, and it's like just uh you know kind of just evoking the idea of like artificiality between yeah, relationships, yeah, emptiness, yeah, emptiness, and uh, um, Tri- you know it doesn't. Tricks. Yeah, and it doesn't have to mean anything like overtly sinister. Yeah, uh, or or like you know violent or criminal mm. in any way. But it's like hypnotist implies a certain level of artificiality. Um, I mean, I think again, you could turn it around, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You but, you but, could have but, a woman sing it and like you know using her feminine wiles or whatever the the hell you're gonna call it right hypnotist uh, of men and and again yeah, yeah uh, you know ladies ladies are that, allowed like, to do that you know you know that broad wham bam car- thank you sir <laughs> <laughs> but to speak to that like broad cartoony part of they might be giants that like you know the the one line of like detail that we get in this is like he doesn't have the pocket watch he doesn't count backwards you know that's evoking like the the broadest like most cape twirling mm-hmm. view of hypnotist that you can imagine yes uh, the, like like uh, literally like cartoon uh yeah. hypnotism yeah um and and so i think that you know as part of their whole aesthetic that like t- takes you out of anything sinister and, and is like no, this isn't just like stage hypnotist, but he is still like a, a hypnotist, you know. So right, you know, I I just kind of take it as more of like a detached, uh, relationship song. Yeah, yeah. To, it's, to me, it's like, like a, the pocket like watch, a, the pocket mm-hmm. watch is his rugged good looks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, to, it's like one thing that I really like about this song is that, and about the MFP Giants in general, is that they can take on. Many forms, like like you said, like I can identify the Might Be Giant song even if I've never heard it. And there honestly are so many that I have found deep, deep, deep cuts from the '90s, like during my fandom that I had never heard before, and I'm discovering mm-hmm. this podcast. But like <laughs> I, I can identify, okay, that's that's the Might Be Giant song. But they can put on different voices. They're one of the few bands, uh, at least in the rock genre, like hip hop. I find like you can take on kind of a character and be mm. a little silly without being discarded. Um, as an artist, yeah. which is a c- really cool thing about hip hop lyricists, you can be a little silly and also serious. But they might be giants uh, can put on different voices. Uh, Eminem's a great example of that. Nicki sure. Minaj, all those, all those folks. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So they might be giants. I feel like we're one of the few rock bands where they can put on a weird voice. And I and I feel like in this one, like you can tell, I can tell it's Flansburg. A lot of people have trouble telling the Johns apart. Um, <laughs> I've never had that that problem. I've just you know, I grew up with them and. Um, but in this one, and on occasion, they'll put on weird voices. And I think to fit the song, even though he's saying he's a hypnotist, he's almost doing this voice like he's trying to lull you, the listener, 
into this hypnotic state because he's got this voice. He's like, he's a hypnotist. Like, he's all like sexy crooner style, you know? He's like, hey, you're getting (laughs) sleepy. You know, he's like very uh, warbly, like Robert Goulet about it or something. Yes. Yeah, Robert Goulet. I I, I don't know. I like kind of imagine him like being in a a bar late at night, like leaning against the lounge wall. Lounge singer. There's a lounge yeah. singer. And, and then aspect. kind of like seeing a guy across the bar, like, and again, this like Im- implies that it could be something sinister or it could be a- apply like any of a million, like just stupid fumbled, uh, bar conversations. Uh, uh, and just like kind of observing those, the, 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 the weird vamping behavior of, uh, of, People in, in a dark bar and mm-hmm. just like humming to yourself something like he is a hypnotist, mm-hmm. you know. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um. Hold on, let me see. You know what? So here's something I discovered just very recently. Uh, are, are you guys familiar with Dial a Song? As casual fans, are you familiar yes. with Dial a Song? Okay. I I, so, I read about Dial a Song when I was doing my. I remember <laughs> Dial a Song existing. I never yes. participated in Dial a Song, but I remember like the the thing of it. Yes, it's uh well it, it would be a free call for you guys since you're local. Uh 718-387-6962. Um uh for the rest of the country they would say it's free if you call from work. Yes. <laughs> there is a there is a dial a song version of this and let me send you a link. Okay, let me see if like there were bootleg compilations that came out of people basically recording it right off their phone receiver. Uh, someone compiled these two, like, they're both nearly two hours long. The Power of Dial-A-Song and Power of Dial-A-Song 2, which are, have been uploaded to YouTube, uh, in the past few years. Some of them never made a proper album. And that's why I'm still finding songs. Mm -hmm. While you'll find demos of, like, Anna Ng and and other, like, the really Oh, yeah, that's one of the other, like, big songs that I, that I know. Yep, yep. Because even like the the wiki, it doesn't know when this bootleg came out. Like it says, Hypnotist of Ladies, if you click the chronology tab, because lots of these songs have different versions. Yes. Hypnotist of Ladies, Dial-A-Song, releases Dial-A-Song, and it says, year, question mark. (laughs) So even the wiki doesn't know. (laughs) Again, just like constant um, experimenting with different ways in which you can get, uh, they might be Giants music that are like, fun and like a little stupid but still exciting and like a 1-800 number for um they might be giant songs like in a way it it i do think that it like makes them in general seem a little sillier than they are to like do a 1-800 number but it's but still only like, our perspective as dude, a, this is this is the mid 80s period yeah they, they did it because linnell broke his wrist and they couldn't play live for like six <laughs> weeks uh, and it was the 80s. There was no internet. And like, if you want people to know about you, they would put out ads in the Village Voice that said the weirdest cryptic things. Yeah. And would have the number. Like, I yeah. think, like, famously, there was one that said, A child is born in India every time you call this number. <laughs> Dial a song. Yeah, and then it had I think, the number. I think reading it as uh, silly is like, I think that's just coming from our modern perspective of what scarcity in music looks like and right. and uh, the idea of like instant availability or proliferation of yeah. a lot of your music especially when it's this kind of music seems like it's uh i don't know like 
making the onion or something but like it's i don't mm-hmm. know it's just they were working this with is, their limitations this is the first streaming service okay yes. you call yeah. up the tape plays no it's it incredible the song you listen to it in the moment it's you on your telephone listening to a song and then the tape stops and someone else can call the number is always busy i called probably a hundred times in high school oh, only three, three only times. one person could use it as uh, at a time yeah, it was a landline. It was literally their answering machine in Flansburg's Brooklyn apartment. Wow. Yeah, and I, I, you oh, call his number. And when they would go on tour, their landlady was very nice and would go in and change the tape daily for them. They'd leave like a whole thing of cassettes with different songs. And every day she would go in and swap out the tape for them. Wow, that landlord deserves some some, some, some shmoney. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> so I sent you a link over Gchat. To hear this, so just take right. a brief moment. To, I've got it all. Uh, I've got it all queued up. This is a. I've got the dial a song version of of Hypnotist of Ladies. Yeah, the version that we're listening to is very artifacty and sounds very distant, but oh, that yeah. sounds but about right. But we still right. got it, yeah. About right for uh, yeah. a call-in. Okay. So I, I think you got the idea. It's yeah, um, sim- similar. I mean, I mean the bones are the same. You're right that I'm like giving this an under... Uh, 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 a short shrift because you know, I heard about this thing in the nineties or not in the nineties in the two thousands when they like release a big compilation of it. And I kind of thought that it was something that they had been doing up at like at that point, like that was a, like a new service or, or something that they were doing. I didn't realize that that was no. like an eighties thing that they did, but to know that that was like a thing that they were running in the eighties that reinforces my previous positive vision of them that, that how, big of like a uh, you know kind of mysterious weird artifact that these guys would have been for the people who found them like when i dj'd at uh northwestern radio uh one of the the the, the pamphlets that we had for our rock show recruits when they were young was just a, a pamphlet called whacked out in the 80s that kind of <laughs> chronicled uh all the the like not just underground but really truly wacky bands of the 80s uh, talking about like the frogs and Daniel Johnston and um, oh the frogs <laughs> and and uh, um and you know uh, half Japanese and people like that and yeah. honestly I think that they might be giants come out of kind of that vein of things that are like truly kind of an outsider 
vision of 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 what rock music can mm-hmm. be, but also it's just so beautiful to imagine a, a service like a dial a song in the eighties because. It, you know, now, as soon as we know something about a band, we know everything about the band. And there's right, no mystery right, to right. anything. And just having the the wonder of this, like, 1-800 number that you call in and you keep putting new numbers into and hear these, like, weird, very specific songs from some somebody in New York. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, like, that's actually magical. And that's, like, the kind of thing that, you know... Uh, Mm-hmm. We yep. is kind of irrevocably lost as information becomes more and more accessible. Yes. Um, yes. And I'm going yes. to send you a link for you two to listen to later. Uh, the, we don't need to listen to now. I've, I've actually done an episode on this. There's a track they released on Miscellaneous T, actually, um, mm-hmm. that is a recording of a, a woman on like a, a conference call. Has has her, her Gloria is her name, and her friend, <laughs> whose name is never mentioned. Call dial a song because she's curious about what the hell it is. She sees the ad in the village voice. Doesn't realize that, yes, it is an answering machine. So they continue to have their conversation after the song ends and it gets recorded. Great. And this is, <laughs> Great. In, this is in like 1989. So, and she she's basically like, uh, well, what do you make out of that? What? How do they make their money? I don't understand. He's crazy. <laughs> and it's like, what do you think? He's like, I don't know. He doesn't make any money. Well, then he's a nut, right? And so <laughs> it's this whole thing. <laughs> me, yeah. me and Because why me would anybody my, just yeah. like make art and make it available? That, that would be insane to just to just do <laughs> right? that. It's you got to make money off of it. Yeah. Yeah. He just he just wanted their band to be he wanted the name out there. I mean, really, they are a punk band as far as I'm concerned. They are a punk oh, band. Yeah. Because they created their own scene. They did their own thing. They didn't care what anyone else was doing. And it's clear because when when they were uh, a young band, they were too artsy for the rock clubs and too rocking for the art galleries. So, like, they really had Mm -hmm. to find their own – they basically became the house band for this one bar and would play there, like, every night and and build up just this huge cult following in Brooklyn – and then it kind of went from there. Um, but it, and they, I mean, they it's sit not in this crazy like, little space that they've created for themselves. Still to this day, they're very self-sufficient. Right, right, right. Mm. And and just to like add even more background on it, like if they're starting to play in Brooklyn in the 80s, we just did an episode uh, on the book Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is about the rock scene in New York in the early 2000s. And all the people who are uh-huh. doing rock in New York in the early 2000s, a decade later will say that Brooklyn was nowhere dead dead backwards a a, a total like cabs you, don't go there cat you don't go to Brooklyn and that was that's in like 2000 2001 so mm. them being out out there in Brooklyn like building their own scene you know in 88 89 that's like they're they were they were true like uh you know uh uh uh, uh, uh backwater pioneer pioneers <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty incredible. So, um there was another version of Hypnotist of Ladies and I'm having having trouble finding the audio too. Again, it's this they're the kind of band where there's just we know that these versions exist, but can we find them? Uh there was a a service mm-hmm. they did basically a fan club called TMBG Unlimited that they did in 2001 and they basically sent like like a full CD's worth of material to the fans uh, once a month for like the entire year. So this incredible amount of content that some has been uploaded um, 
Oh, wait, I think I know where this is. Uh, <laughs> someone posted the entire, like, there's like a seven hour YouTube of this. Oh, my God. Uh, let me see. <laughs> oh, on this thing called, Look, okay, the full collection. Seven hours and 18 minutes. Let me, if there. Find it. Um, oh, good Lord. Let's see. All right. Let me just do a quick scan. Is this even worth listening to? I mean, I feel like if we're talking about. Oh, let's see. Oh, come on. That's ah, all right. Some, someone will knock me for it somewhere in the They Might Be Giants fan universe. I'll be like, you didn't play the Ritz show version that they played <laughs> on the radio. They played it How on the radio and before the M was released. Didn't you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Looks, we're we're already at two, we're we're creeping up the, on two hours. It's half when dropped this, calls, but we're <laughs> when when this yeah. airs, uh, I would like any any uh, they might be giants pedants pedants out me to. Uh, uh, tweet me the definitive version of Hypnotist of Ladies. Uh, (laughs) You know, I'm at Say What Again. Uh, Like, please get in my mentions and tell me what the definitive version of this song (laughs) is. I don't want the definitive version. I want every version. (laughs) Right. I mean, if anyone says the definitive version isn't the album version, I mean, obviously the band is going to release the best version, right? Properly. Trust the band. You know? Whatever. Uh, but I'd say that that dial song version really, it lays out, because there are some dial song <laughs> versions of, of songs that really mutated after the dial song version. But this one, I'd say Flansburg pretty much lays it out as it, as it appears. Like the guitar yeah. effects, the guitar effects are not as dialed in or um, as loungy. And his voice isn't quite as loungy, but like the lyrics, the melody, the chord progression, it's all there. The rhythm. Yeah. I mean, even so, from what we could hear on the dial song version, it sounded like the beginnings of even that like tremolo effect were, were there. Like it, it sounded like he and his head had conceived yeah. of what the final song would be, even if he was just, it, I mean, for us, it just sounded like guitar and vocals. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much all it is. But yeah, yeah. yeah, there's so many artifacts there. See, again, this power of dial song compilation is fascinating to me in a lot of ways. And it's something that you won't see with bands that come up these days. Because there are bands that try to sound lo-fi on purpose, and you can tell it's on purpose. Yeah. Or yeah. they're just being lazy, and they're like, whatever, we put a boombox mm-hmm. in a room, look at how cool we are. Uh, this yes. is like them recording into their answering machine. Someone has dialed the number... Listened to the song Hypnotist of Ladies and recorded yes. it somehow, probably yeah. <laughs> just by putting their phone up to their tape machine. Yes. They have taped it. Along the way, someone got a copy of that, assembled it into this huge bootleg compilation. Yes. And then another 15, 20 years down the line, someone uploaded it to YouTube. So the lossiness, my God. Lossy yeah, as hell. It's Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox of copy a Copy of a copy. Po- yeah. It's amazing. Um, it's it's pretty incredible just just see i want somebody to do that for a podcast (laughs) that's i want i want i want to create that kind of necessary bootleg chain for a podcast no it's only going to get more direct podcasts are going to be uploaded straight into our consciousness it's going to be the first medium where the more you re-record it the higher the quality gets yeah You know, I do have the ability to throw this on a cassette for you guys if you want me to mail you a cassette of this episode. Oh, my episode. God. <laughs> no, no. I, I, that's my personal version to see just how lossy okay. <laughs> and analog I can make a podcast sound. 
<laughs> I, I do have a little handheld cassette recorder still that if if I put batteries in it that don't have full juice and just hold it up to the speakers, I could make this sound real fucked up for you if yeah, you'd yeah. like. <laughs> I mean, you know, keep keep it in mind of uh, we can we can collaborate on a, a lo-fi like podcast sort of music label. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, creating collectors <laughs> items for people. I I think that there's there could be a big future. I'm gonna eight mic- track tape only. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna mic all my hosts directly into old Vox amps that I poke holes in the speakers with ice picks like the Sonics to get like real distortion. And like only one of the tubes is actually working. Yeah, exactly. And then I'll I'll record using some kind of like uh, a old school, like sure boom mic onto that onto tape. That's real audio, man. You know? Yeah. One thing that people like, I don't know if you know the band no age. Oh yeah. Um, A lot of (laughs) they're they're They've done this pretty famously on some of their albums. Um, where and and this this has been done they they weren't the ones who invent this but they'll record a song properly like through the normal channels that they would do but then you throw the mix the final mix it, you basically jack it into a PA system and then mic the PA system so you're re-recording the song mm. through a giant speaker and that just gives it like this kind of it 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 almost dulls it in a in a cool way and kind of like it gives it like a kind of cavernous re-recorded effect kind of kind of like this where like the dial a song was recorded on a cassette and then someone recorded it out of their phone onto a cassette like that right, kind right, of right. thing so that that would be an easy way to do it is yeah you get some little handheld uh tape little chintzy tape thing uh, uh, at the goodwill and yeah. then you you record the podcast all nice but then you play it back on some shitty speakers and record it off that onto a cassette. Yeah. <laughs> Authenticity. You can't put a price uh, on that. <laughs> yeah. Look at these great lengths I took to make this sound horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I put a lot of work into making this but sound it's real. inaudible. Yeah. It's so real, man. It's so real. Yeah. Authentic. That's Italian. <laughs> when you're here, you're family. When you're here, so, <laughs> you sound like shit. you sound like olive garden tastes so (laughs) i think uh, can we get to the point where we score this song what do you think yeah anything else Uh, okay uh so molly why don't you go first this time and tell us on uh, based on if a 10 was like your favorite they might be giant song that you know even as a casual fan yes uh where would hypnotist of ladies rank in that uh from one to ten and you may use decimals I'm going to give this song like a 6.3. Mm-hmm. And uh, I say this, you know, fu- fully aware of the fact that I am a noob. Um, but good. having having listened to the surrounding ch- tunes of Apollo 18, and I, I really enjoyed uh, uh, Fingertips, really enjoyed it. And I, I have to, I sort of bury the lead here of probably my most significant relationship with the They Might Be Giant song yeah. up until this point, uh-huh. which was um, f- which was the Fritalian jingle from the Dunkin' oh, Donuts yes. commercial. We were talking about this. Uh. <laughs> have cap latte, chino, mocha, due, avec moi. My mouth can't form these words My mind can't find these words Is it French or is it Italian? Perhaps Fritalian Delicious lattes from Dunkin' Donuts You order them in English, not Fritalian 
America runs on Duncan. I loved I loved that shit so much and I did not <laughs> ever realize that it was they might be giants and like yeah. that for me and I don't care I don't I don't care who knows it. That's a 10 for me. That song is a 10 for me. <laughs> they did I like, think that's a perfect they, song. They did like 30 songs for Dunkin Donuts over a 6 year period. <laughs> See, here's another connection between, you know, talking about Woody Guthrie on our podcast and They Might Be Giants on your They Might Be Giants podcast, which is that They Might Be Giants did like 30 songs with Dunkin' Donuts. Woody Guthrie did 26 songs about one damn. The, yeah, if only Dunkin' Donuts was the National Public Works Project that the Cooley Dam was. Nationalized was Dunkin', Dunkin' Donuts. Oh my God, yes, please. Nationalized Dunkin' Donuts. America and then runs the federal, on Dunkin'. And then the federal government should hire... Honestly, if you were to pick a band for the federal government to hire they to might like be giants. write hundred like percent WPA project songs about modern America, I would a hundred percent hire they might be giants. Yeah, they would yeah. short the top five shortlist immediately uh, for like a band to be like, we need like a thousand songs about yep. like just small details about America and what makes it great. Yeah. The, that, that's something that they've literally been training for their entire lives. Yeah. They'd be so good at it. <laughs> and Sufjan would, Stevens would. would campaign so hard for that shit. And we'd be like, get the fuck out of you here, You promised Sufjan. us 50 states. You gave us two in 10 years. These guys give us three albums in one year. If there's any band on earth that could write, you know, 80 <laughs> songs about a stretch of highway in Tennessee, it would be, they might be giants. So yeah. you guys probably aren't familiar then with John Linnell put out a solo album called State Songs. And it has God 18 it. states. <laughs> of course, we he thought did. we were being all insightful and shit. Better, and, better than Sufjan. Well, than well the Sufjan. thing about this is that they're not really about the states. They're very sure. surrealist art. Like um, Arkansas is a boat that's the exact shape and size of the state of Arkansas, and uh, South Carolina is uh, where he wrecked his bicycle. Like, there's like all these. Really, Montana sure. is a leg. It's like some delusional fever dream a guy who's dying has. It's it's very <laughs> hey, I, I've, never, I've never been to Montana. It 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 is a leg as far sure. as I'm concerned. Yeah, to me with, with the rampart, it's the leg of America's just the way you Central would West. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it's an amazing album. But but clearly in 1999, John Lennon was like. I obviously am not working hard enough to write songs. <laughs> Let me put out a solo album. And Flansburg had a, had a side project called Monopuff. They put out two albums because clearly they don't write enough songs and don't have an outlet for these songs. Are those know. fair game They're on crazy. your podcast? What's that? Are those fair game on your podcast? My the, first Patreon exclusive was the first three tracks off state songs. Okay, great. And yeah, and I've got someone that wants to talk about Monopuff. So yes, there's, there's, <laughs> there's material until I die. I mean, great. I put on an episode a week. They released a song every week in 2018. So I'm just keeping pace. I'm going to die before they. I reach all the songs. I mean, Isn't it's, that comforting it's like, in, a, in a certain way? There will always be another. Uh, You're like, no one's writing another chapter of the Bible, at least as far as I'm aware of. Like, the Bible's done. They Might Be Giants is, is fluid and yeah. proliferating. It's yes. very exciting. Not they're they're both almost sixty, and they're as prolific as they've ever been, and the songs are as good as they've ever been. It's pretty insane. I'm I'm very happy for you of, of that being your favorite band. A chapter of the Bible per podcast that might be a good project. <laughs> we we clearly <laughs> we, we're Actually, clearly the, good on podcast material. I think the, <laughs> the guy Spencer, who is on my is that state songs exclusive, he has his own podcast called The Dictionary. <laughs> um great so i'll that's let you guess what great. that's about um 
<laughs> it's about the dictionary. Uh, so, so anyway, wait. yeah, that, that was a Molly, long way you, of saying my score, which is, I believe if I can remember correctly, I think I said six point said three, six point three. <laughs> yeah. So Chris, what do you think? Um, all right. I would say like, I mean, you, I feel like you, you towed up to asking Molly, like, is this in the context of songs or in the context of they might be giant songs? I, most of my guests have been, I think pretty much all of my guests, we determined early on that, uh, we'd rank it against they might be giant songs. And like I said, Dr. Worm is the 10 for me. Dr. Worm is a 10, whatever your favorite song may be. For Italian is a 10. Yeah. Um, sure. Yes. I give this like a. Uh, a, a gentleman six probably okay <laughs> i mean it's it's good it's catchy i like the sonic qualities to it as i described there are there are a few little details like later in the song there's like it, as the the chorus or the i guess what you would get call like the verse transitions in the chorus there's like the guitar goes silent there's a little like ding of a bell in the background and i think yeah, that, a little you know, clang uh, the, you know, it's the attention to detail and the, these kind of things where you're like, Oh wow. There's like actually a lot of thought going into this, what seems like a simple ditty, but, um, you know, I, I think the, the, the main line will stick with me. She or he's a hip like that, but there's just not that much going on in this. And, and, okay. uh, I, 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 I don't think that, that there's just enough substance for me. If there was more substance, I could maybe rate it higher. But yeah, like six-ish. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, you are now banned from the podcast and I won't air this episode. <gasps> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you've done I'm it totally now, I mean, you, you said that you 5-9 is the lowest you've gone, which means that you're basically rating them on a scale of 6 to 10. And there's so many. You've got to give yourself I'm giving more you range. Shit. I'm just, it's fine. Uh, I'm not yeah, no, you advice. I'm, I'm, you've got to give I'm some happy yourself to have some range. more casual fans on it. I mean, my parents were on the Istanbul episode and they only know what I forced them to listen to in the car. Ah, hey, that's, I, a, that's a good one. That episode as I, actually is very. As good. I think the the sort of um, I don't know if you ever listened to Analyze Fish, where there was one person on <laughs> it who fish liked fish good. and one person on it who didn't like fish. Sometimes there's this, a yeah. fun, unique tension in a in a fandom versus casual fandom or even yeah. non fandom, which I yeah. hope that everyone listening today or tonight has uh, has experienced for themselves, and that they'll that will reflect in the rating uh, of your show, rating and review. <laughs> I'm yeah, really worried I, about I, your I think, iTunes I think ranking, I stumbled, man. I think I stumbled onto something really fun, and you guys, you guys have different guests on pretty much every episode, and some repeaters, which I will have as well. But it's a really fun thing to get to not just have the same two people talking about the same topic <laughs> every week. Yes. And my other podcast, Best Midwestern, it's me and a guy in Cleveland that talk about Midwestern music. And yeah, it has. Uh, we have the same host, and we've we've built up a good following. But the Patreon for this has, uh, now I wouldn't say it's exploded, but for having only gone for three months, it's doing pretty well. And like, I, I, I'm, I'm about to eclipse, well, the, the Twitter followers for this podcast have already eclipsed Best Midwestern, which has been going for four years. Okay. Um, and it's about to eclipse my band, which has been going for eight years. Um, people want to talk about They Might Be Giants. And I'm here to let them talk about They Might Be Giants. <laughs> no matter how much they, if they want to talk about They Might Be Giants, even if they're not their favorite band, I am here to let you talk about They Might Be Giants. If you bring something cool to the table and you guys with your 
I, I mean, obviously, from listening to your podcast, I knew you would be good people just to talk about music in general. And like you said, several hours ago when we started this episode, <laughs> was that you're just voracious just listeners of, of music in general, and you guys yes. have the vocabulary to talk about it and the enthusiasm to talk about it. So that's why I had you on, and that's why... I will not come to Brooklyn and murder you for giving a subpar score to this song. <laughs> the roaches are going to murder us first. Yeah, yeah. So. We're, we're going to be eaten alive by bugs and like the you know yeah. electricity spikes are going to consume us and yeah. our, our 100-year-old houses that have never been inspected are going to collapse <laughs> yeah. in. Greg, or we're, maybe, we're, already, we're already being punished for yeah. They Might Be Giants not being our favorite band. I mean, you, you do live in the same, uh, in the vicinity of... John Linnell and John Flansburg. Do you know what neighborhood they were in? Perhaps. They were like, they're Williamsburg guys. Uh, Okay. Like OOG Williamsburg Mm. guys. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, maybe they listen to this. I've already had Marty the drummer and Danny the bass player on episodes. So perhaps if they're listening, they might come and find you and who knows what they'll do. I would love to talk to the John. They're very nice. Rumble. We we honestly should try to eventually get the Johns on, uh, on our show, maybe. Well, I, th- like I think Greg should get them on his show first. <laughs> oh, I'm working on it. I've been talking to their management, well, so I'm well, working once on you, it. Once you get them on, shoot them our way, because I think that they would enjoy our, our whole spiel as well. Oh, for sure. They're very smart fellas, and I'm sure they have read a lot of biographies in their day. And what they... Is, what's that? What is your score? Oh, right. Um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, feel, uh, I feel like I've been waiting for it for a while. I've, I've, yeah. I have anticipation. Yeah. See, the thing is, I'm going to give it a mediocre score as well. But that's because <laughs> I have to rank all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I can't yes. go crazy. I've given two tens. One is for Dr. Worm and another one I shall not name because the episode has not aired yet. Um, mm. Tension. Only two tens. So ranking it against those for kind of reasons that you said that, that both of you have said, but that uh, it, it's a really good song in concept. It's a good song in that there is debate over the lyrics mm-hmm. because if the song is just like, oh yeah, it's about this, you know, the conversation ends there. Right. But th- there was something to talk about and the guitar tones, they, they this was the last album, um, no, I'm sorry. There was one more where Flansburg was the sole guitarist before they took on a second guitarist. Um, so this was the last album where Flansburg kind of got to have complete control over the guitars. And I do think he's a very, he's a post-punk guitar player as far as I'm concerned. He uses mm-hmm. tones that you'll hear like Gang of Four use. He'll use tones that you hear like Joy Division use. Like all this stuff mixed up into a band where you would not think like, oh, these guys grew up on the Ramones. But they did. You know, and he will harness all of that into his guitar playing. And I really, really like his guitar playing. Dan Miller, their lead guitarist now, is an amazing guitarist and employs some cool tones and techniques as well. But I do kind of miss Flansburg being the lone guy. And this song kind of showcases (laughs) that. Yeah. His use of different tones mashed together, the tremolo, the twangy. um, And it's entirely him on this track. John Linnell... May have had something to do with the drum machine, but he plays. John Flansburg is playing the bass guitar, the guitar, and doing all the singing. Ah, so there's pretty much a solo track, which has gone the other <laughs> direction too. But this is how they produce so many songs. They both write an incredible amount of songs, and when they come together and join forces like Voltron, you better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe more like the. No, Voltron's better. I was going to say Wonder Twins, but the Wonder Twins just came <laughs> together and like became different forms of themselves. So that's it's not they, they don't come together and become more of them. Same. You know, actually, 
So what number are you giving it? Oh, I, I'm going to give it a seven. Flat seven. Out you know what? You're talking about it actually made me realize that I want to bump, bump my score up to 6.5 because I do appreciate how it is evocative but not declarative mm-hmm. of something that it uh, um, creates a picture that allows the listener to draw different conclusions in their head yes. about whether it is sinister, whether it is uh, something benign. Uh, and I like a song with a mystery to it. I like any art with a mystery to it. Any Anything that, that you are allowed to walk away from Mm-hmm. Uh, with room for interpretation, I yeah. think more things should be like that. And I think that allowing room for interpretation among fans of your thing is good. And all fans should enjoy being allowed to interpret things. Yes. And that's why there's an interpretation tab right on the fan wiki. Very convenient. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, so, yeah, and yes. interpretations aren't like a problem to be solved. They're like a, a way that the art reflects with their journey yeah. to be taken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not about the destination it's about the journey yeah. Yeah. and that's yeah. what this podcast is that's another thing we get knocked <laughs> for like the, all the tangents and whatever but it's a conversational podcast and i do not come up with my score beforehand i did you not don't. decide on a seven until like three minutes ago um because i wanted to talk to you two about it and lots of times because my guests pick the song it's like all right, convince me. How is this a great song or the greatest song? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go seven based on I've been keeping a tally of all the scores I've given, and I think seven is about where it sits. And it's on my favorite album, so it has a special place for me. But it yeah. is not my favorite song on my favorite album. So, seven. Seven. seven yes all right cool so you guys why, why don't you give some plugs to where people can find you if you want you personally or and introducing uh go you 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 do the 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 and do the back and forth bit. thing <laughs> yeah there's one part where we do but i'll get to it um yeah. <laughs> you can you can find me on twitter at say what again uh i'm there at least once a day. Uh, I also produce a podcast called Chapa Trap House, which is a uh, leftist comedy, and uh, it's a it's a rude podcast about politics for rude people. <laughs> rude boys, yeah, for rude boys. <laughs> uh, if you like ska and socialist politics, uh, come follow <laughs> us. But uh, most importantly, uh, or Molly, do you want to plug your Twitter real quick? Sure, I'm on Twitter at at Miss Molly Mary. I'm on Instagram at Instagram.com slash the Molly Zone. Uh, I encourage everyone to enter the Molly Zone. I really enjoy uh, filming music. That's something I've gotten into as of late. So you can follow me on Instagram for all kinds of weird clips of weird, weird bands. Nice. Yeah, lots weird, of lots shit. of good dispatches from uh, indie and DIY live music shows on Molly on the Molly Zone and, yeah. and original Tight. music videos that Molly has shot. It's yeah. it, it's good music content. Yeah, nice. Uh, but most importantly for both of us it is and introducing a podcast about words about music you can find us on twitter at and intro pod yes uh, you can find us on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod or download us <laughs> and introducing anywhere podcasts are downloaded uh if you are if you made it this far into this show then there is <laughs> absolutely something for you over at our show yes um a wide if, range of if artists. If they made it through the first 20 minutes of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a, a, sup, a super keepers. wide range of artists. Uh, you know, a, a little something for everyone. Uh, we're, 
your episode i mean who i don't know when this is going to come out we're doing your episode with woody guthrie next we're doing meet me in the bathroom after that which is about that early 2000s music uh, music scene in new york we just did dave mustaine uh, uh which mm-hmm. is a, a bit of a different from vibe. megadeth yep we did soundcloud rap previously yeah. and i'm in the middle of that one yeah part <laughs> of the reason why i forced you guys to do a video call for most of this because you talk about how what did your guest say it's like it's like a, it's like a missile a, a coming toward on, him <laughs> a rocket locked on to him when someone calls him yeah. Yeah. Uh, i was like uh, okay we're doing a video call tonight <laughs> uh, hopefully we're getting dave weigel on to talk about his book about prog rock coming up soon so oh. it's we're really all over the place but that's the joy of the show yes cool and yeah, then maybe look, hopefully someday we'll if there I don't know if there's some sort of definitive text about they might be giants, but there actually we, isn't birdhouse interesting. birdhouse in your soul. The story of they might be giants. My wife is trying to convince me now that she's a published author trying to convince me to write the book on they might be giants because somehow there is one. They have a documentary called gigantic a tale of two Johns, which okay. is good. But even that is 18 years old at this point, 19 wow. years old. Um, and they have a 33 and a third on flood, but ah, that's, yes. that's pretty much it. Well, you're pretty, I would say you're fairly we well qualified to, to get this, <laughs> get this popping as the kids yeah, say. I, I think I would maybe even take it from, I'm sure there's books about podcasts now where it'd be almost from the point of view is where like, um, like learning along the way and giving credit to all the people that have helped me learn things about they might be giants through mm-hmm. these episodes, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of kind of take it at that angle because I, I do kind of have fun. Like I'm still learning things about them because there's so much to know about these guys and there's so much interesting little tidbits there um, about these guys that I don't think anyone, no matter how big of a fan, could know every single thing about the band. And people are always like friend friendly, like you know, correcting me or like filling me in on a gap that I didn't have. And I welcome that because uh, yeah. this this whole thing is just making my favorite band into just like an unbelievably, you know, locking them into my favorite band of all time. And I mean, the book now, would maybe take that angle like, yeah, like, hey, yeah, it's about the journey, right? That, not, well, not <laughs> it's to, the journey, man. <laughs> yeah, to too much live workshopping, but maybe another way you could think of it is like a hundred, a hundred songs to They Might Be Giants and like kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do like a series of vignettes or essays, just like taking songs and like showing what they mean about the band at like mm-hmm. different times and stuff. And, you know, you can yeah. kind of all fold it in together. I, I Again, they're the, they are an amazing band, whether you like like them or not. You, you have to admit that they're amazing and that they have like such a long term, consistent, basically self-produced output that always is. Um, undeniably, they might be giantsy, and like every every song reveals another little di- facet of them, while being of the same thing. I mean, and that is an incredible thing for a band to do over the time that they've been doing it, and and the way that they've been doing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They they they've created their own little universe, and I'm discovering more and more that uh, they breed obsessive fans, and I'm not the only one. <laughs> that that wiki man, it's pretty. It's, it's that pretty good. It, it's been it's been a wild ride so far, and uh, I appreciate you guys being part of the being part of the journey with me. Hell yeah! Hell so yeah. yeah, let's be like Woody Guthrie and like Woody would journey through the land of the <laughs> giants. Hop, and, hop uh, on the top of that train and ride it to <laughs> Chicago and then get right back on that train and ride it to Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh boy. Okay. So let's uh, let's let's call that a night because uh, thank God I'm on spring break or else I would have zero sleep. I'm on spring break. I still have a six month old though that's going to be waking me up uh, in about five hours. So hell yeah. Let's let's wrap this shit up. <laughs> yeah. And let's call it. Thanks again, Chris and Molly, and uh, everybody. Go check out and introducing. And you know where to find me or I'll drop in that later because I'm too tired to even say all of the social media. So (laughs) goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Uh, Hit us up on Twitter at this might be a pod Uh, email. This might be a pod at Gmail Uh, Facebook.com slash this might be a podcast. Go to the Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. And uh, leave us some voicemails because uh, it's fun. 224 801 2930.